Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. On this election day, hello everyone. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to vote. Glad you're with us. We've got a lot to talk about on this election day, and several people will be talking about some of the issues that uh, certainly are will be on voters' minds as they go to the polls today. We're going to talk trade with former USDA chief economist and now senior research fellow for the Institute of Food Policy and Research, uh, Joe Glauber. We're also going to talk immigration with Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation. And we're going to talk with uh, Mike Steenhook. He's executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition as we are going to talk about the uh, transportation and infrastructure issues, Water Resources Development Act, and some issues like that coming up on today's program. But right now, let's talk things over with Chris Clayton with DTN. Chris, how are you on this election day? Uh, doing well, Mike. How about yourself? Well, it's good. It's a little little breezy here in Illinois, but uh, shouldn't keep folks from headed out, heading out to the polls. And, uh, wow, tomorrow we'll... We'll know a lot more, maybe not know all the results, but we'll have a better idea of the makeup of Congress, certainly, as we uh, look ahead to some important issues. Yeah, we'll we'll know a little bit more. Um, Some of these races could very well come down to um, such tight margins at the end that uh, you'll have to see recounts and... um, still not known what the call will be uh, tomorrow morning, so we'll have to see. Yeah, and when there are recounts, there are usually challenges, and so it could drag out for some time. Uh, it could be. You, you could always see a few races hanging out there for quite a while, um, uh, but uh, we'll certainly, I think, get a good feel for uh, overall um, what things look like uh, in the Senate and the House tomorrow, but there might be a Senate race sitting out there that is so close that uh, will affect things um, that it um, uh, shakes out. Well, there are always surprises. The last election taught us that. And uh, so you just have to wait and see. But the the feeling is by many that uh, the house is going to flip back to the democrats but the republicans will not not only retain control of the senate but could actually pick up some seats um you know normally you might say well that's going to make it harder to get things done i don't know how it could be much harder to get things done quite frankly than it has been one party having a majority hasn't seemed to smooth that out to getting uh, things to move through very quickly yeah but uh what you had um after 2010, when uh, the House and the Senate flipped against Obama, is um, you had uh, even more fighting about the budget, and, and that's probably what you would end up seeing is uh, Congress just consumed with trying to get budgets done, the House and the Senate not agreeing, the Trump administration not agreeing, um, and you know the, the greater risk that maybe next year we would see a government shutdown or just flat incapability of um, of getting in between uh, the three the three pieces there 
hard for me, it's hard to have a lot of confidence in either party based on what we've seen, all the divisiveness and the bickering that goes back and forth. Hopefully what comes out of this is is a path forward, but that remains to be seen. Now, where we do, when you have a party switch, uh, uh, control switch, where you do get changes, of course, is in uh, chairmanships of committees. When If the House were would flip, that would put the his race, and it's assumed he will, back as chair of the Ag Committee, uh, certainly, he's he's a known quantity. Uh, he known um, known as someone who will reach across the aisle. I would think that would not hurt getting the uh, the farm bill done. What do you think? Yeah, I think that still um, this farm bill will get done in the lame duck session, one way or the other. Um, I don't think uh, Colin Peterson wants to start from scratch in January. Um, and uh, they probably certainly don't want to see that in the Senate as well. Um, hopefully, after tonight, after tomorrow, uh, we'll see a renewed effort uh, from everybody involved to get the bill done. And then I believe it'll probably be one of those things where, uh, you know, December 21st or 22nd or whatever, Congress is trying to get out of town, they'll finalize a farm bill. Um, It'll be another one of those things that kind of goes as uh, as Congress is trying to uh, close out the year. What will be also be interesting, the makeup of the new Congress, that will be the Congress that will vote on the USMCA trade deal uh, next year, and it's going to be interesting to see how that fares in Congress. That, that's uh, going to be a real interesting battle over uh, over that trade deal. You're right. Um, you know, the, the House will be more liberal on one side, but they're also the Republicans in the uh, in the, the House are going to be more conservative. You know, the, if you look at the, the closest races in most of these cases right now, these are more moderate Republicans that, that are more likely to lose. So um, the House caucus is going to become probably more conservative. Um, maybe. Uh, less willing to uh, work on some things. And Democrats traditionally, uh, because of, uh, of unions, have been less reluctant to support trade agreements. So um, it might be a lot harder to get the, uh, the USMCA uh, through the next Congress. Mm-hmm. And it, what else will be interesting tomorrow is uh, will Rural America, will agriculture support for President Trump uh, remain? It, it it seems like it has, even with all the trade problems and things. Uh, uh, what's your take on what the feel that you get out there? Overall, um, support for the president remains, but you're going to see some of these congressional districts potentially flip um, in areas that voted strongly for Trump. And we're going to have to really uh, gauge and see uh, just what exactly that uh, uh, that meant, um, whether it was a bigger push in urban areas, just a more uh, aggressive um, Democratic outreach. But, you know, you've got some congressional races. You've got some, you know, you're going to see a couple of guys potentially lose in Kansas of all places. Um, and, and Iowa might uh, flip a couple of districts, areas that, President Trump uh, carried pretty well. Um, the reality, though, unfortunately, uh, in some senses, tomorrow the 2020 race begins. 
um, and we'll go right into moving in. You know, we're literally basically 14 months away from the Iowa caucuses. Wow. Um, and it's very unclear who would who would break free out of what the pack might be in the Democratic side, but it's going to set off the marathon starting tomorrow on uh, on the 2020 election. Yep, here we go. It goes right in. It's just one cycle after another, and President Trump is... Uh, not backed away from it all. He has basically said this election's about him. He's put himself uh, right in the center of it uh, and already eyeing, I think, ahead to that 2020 race as well. So we will see. All right, Chris, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. Thank you, and have a good uh, rest of the day. You too. Chris Clayton from DTN. Up next, we'll talk China and that USMCA deal, Canada-Mexico deal with Joe Glauber, former chief economist for USDA. That's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or high soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and high soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. If you want to know Christy Nome, ask the people who know her best. You know, I think uh, Christy would be a good governor for South Dakota because she loves South Dakota so much. There's no doubt when you talk to her how deeply devoted she is to the state of South Dakota. When you think about strength of character and work ethic, I don't think there's anybody that can compete with Christy Nome. She knows ag from one end to the other. I think it would be great to have someone like Christy because she has the experience with farming and ranching and she understands the struggles that we go through. The first thing that she talks about is her family. Second thing she talks about is her faith. Christy and her family are just good, strong Midwestern people that love the state of South Dakota. And I think Christy far and away has the best skill set and the best experience, the best work ethic to be a more effective governor. Christy Nome, tested, proven, conservative for governor. I just think she'd be a great governor for the state of South Dakota. Paid for by Christy for governor. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, 
the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Let's talk trade with Joe Glauber, Senior Research Fellow at the International Food Policy Research Institute in Washington, D.C., former Chief Economist for USDA. Joe, welcome back. Good to have you with us. Thanks very much, Mike. Um, Well, we talk so much about trade, and we have so many trade issues out there. Right now... There's hope, at least a glimmer of hope, that uh, there are going to be some, you know, high-level talks with U.S. and China, and maybe they'll work something out. Uh, how optimistic are you about that? Um, well, I, I, I certainly hope that's the case. Uh, this has been a big loss for U.S. soybeans and, and other products. Um, the, the big issues with China, though, I think, are on intellectual property uh, and and some of their business practices, and I think those things are going to take a while to resolve. So we'll see. I mean, one can hope uh, the G20 meetings coming up uh, will get these two guys together, and hopefully they can work something out. But um, in the meantime, the the worry is, of course, that Brazil's planting soybeans, and according to USDA's estimates on Friday, we're likely to plant a lot less soybeans next year. You know, it's interesting as you bring up on on China, so much of it wrapped around what really seemed to initiate this whole uh, dispute is intellectual property, and it kind of makes you wonder: for a deal to get done, is it does it have to be all or nothing, or could they uh, agree on some things and agree to continue working on other things, or do they have to get it all done at once uh, for there to be a deal? Uh, I guess we don't know how that approach would be, although. It seems with the Trump administration, they'd want the whole thing done at once, but uh, time will tell. Yeah, it, it is very hard to, to say. This is, I mean, this is something that you need to get you know, verified, all sorts of, uh, more than just having someone tell you, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Um, and I think that's why some believe that it would have been better to take this to the WTO to have a real clear ruling from the WTO on practices are illegal, et cetera. But, um, again, these guys may be able to work it out, um, uh, but I think uh, realistically this is, may take a little while. Joe, a question I've asked a lot of people, kind of get various thoughts on it, but, uh, you know, I keep going back to the Russian grain embargo many, many years ago and how it ha- it impacted trade then for years to come. Still, in some ways, we still feel the effects of it. Do you see the current situation with China, this dispute, having that kind of a long-term impact uh, moving forward on trade and uh, and uh, competition and, and uh, how commodities flow around the world, things like that? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. I mean, I, it, if this could get all resolved tomorrow and, and grains start flowing again, then we might be out of the woods. But look at the numbers USDA put out on Friday. Now, this is their 
so-called 10-year baseline, and you always have to take those with a grain of salt. But a year ago, they were, or even as of February this year, we were looking at, at potentially planting 91 million acres of soybeans in 2019, and now they're calling for 82.5. That's, that's a big drop in, in the area. And yet, um, you know, we, we on the other hand, we see Brazil increasing area. And then the other thing that we've seen with this um, uh, since the tariffs went on is China is trying to adjust their feed rations, you know, and and and, and feed less protein meal. Um, if that's a long-term adjustment, again, that's another big kick in in global demand that that will hurt. Uh, Yeah, so only time will tell what will be the lasting effects. What have we, you know, the, have we opened the Pandora's box on some things in order to try to get something else fixed? Time will tell. We're talking with Joe Glauber, former chief economist at USDA, now senior research fellow at the International Food Policy Research Institute in Washington, D.C. All right, Joe, what's your assessment, what you know of anyway right now, of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada deal? Yeah, I'd say on October 1st, there was a big sigh of relief uh, from a lot of U.S. agriculture, just in the sense the the new NAFTA looks a lot like the old NAFTA. There's a little bit more access for dairy than under the old uh, NAFTA, and and that's true for eggs and poultry as well. Uh, But frankly, it looks a lot like what was on the table in TPP. There's a few other things that modernize the agreement. There's some new language on biotech. There's uh, new language on uh, these um, uh, international groups, the NAFTA groups that will get together to resolve disputes, et cetera. Uh, again, those look a lot like what was in PPP. So, unfortunately, uh, it all depends on what your comparison point is. Uh, if your comparison point is to the old NAFTA, there's a little bit of change, and it's, all, and it's for good, uh, I think, as far as agriculture is concerned. Uh, compared to no NAFTA, it's a great deal, which I think a lot of people will view. Um, compared to NAFTA plus TPP, eh, probably uh, not as much. And unfortunately, the you know TPP goes into effect uh, for all those other countries and one. So um, that's a loss. And lastly, we still have the tariffs on. Um, Mexico and Canada still are applying tariffs on uh, agricultural products because of the so-called Section 232 tariffs that we put on for steel and aluminum. And unfortunately, that was not resolved uh, with the signing of NAFTA. I think a lot of people thought that might be um, uh, done then, but it's not. And as a consequence, you know, uh, pork producers, uh, uh, dairy are still getting hammered by uh, pretty high tariffs, particularly going into Mexico for those products. Yeah, and we still don't know, and a lot may be determined today, but uh, uh, we don't know if the New Deal will even get passed in Congress next year. Yeah, no, that's certainly going to be a, a, a big issue. I, I suspect the president will play a, uh, will put a real hard push on it. I suspect he'll threaten to pull out the math altogether if we don't get it. I think that I think the general feeling from a lot of people that I've talked to and a lot of people I've, I, I've heard comment on that uh, is that people think that they'll have the votes to get this through. But let's hope that's the case. I think, again, my biggest fear is no NAFTA. Uh, 
think that 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 could happen if, if Congress fails to pass this agreement. A lot of hope that we'll get a deal done with Japan, although I've heard it said Japan's probably not going to agree to anything more than they would have if we'd have been in the TPP. Uh, do you agree with that? I think that's I I think that's a good assessment. Um, I they will definitely be looking at what access they've granted uh, under TPP, and I think there will be uh, you know they're not going to just open up a, a rice market or a, a, a dairy. Um, without looking at what's under TPP. Moreover, this is going to take time. I think people don't realize that we, you know, these agreements aren't done overnight. Uh, even something like NAFTA, which was pretty simple in one in, in one sense, uh, given the few number of changes in the ag portion of the agreement, still took over a year. And with Japan, you would think it would take a pretty long time, and yet TPP is starting up. Jan one for everyone else, which again, it's just uh, a shame we're not part of that. And it would seem, Joe, barring some kind of weather, big weather problem somewhere, some production problem somewhere, and we know right now South America is off to a really good start, so it doesn't seem to be happening there. But without that happening, unless we get some kind of a breakthrough on trade, it's hard to see a real breakthrough to the upside on the markets, isn't it? Well, the markets. Yeah, they've been, uh, you know, I mean, you, you think back you now five, six years ago when we had record high prices, it's, it's, they've trailed down considerably since then. Uh, the wheat market's a little tight, uh, but, but, you know, with the, the, this problem with soybeans is just, you know, is, is very big. And, you know, we're, we're seeing stocks there. We're, uh, uh, Seed grain stocks are high, so it will take a while. Now, you know, you're right, a, a big production drop somewhere would, would squeeze this. But uh, low prices in a year when I think a lot of people were hoping for a bit of a recovery is, is a tough blow. Well, Joe, it's always good to talk with you, and uh, we'll stay in touch and uh, see what develops on the trade front and get your reaction to it as it happens. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Mike. Bye. All right, take care. Joe Glober, Senior Research Fellow at the International Food Policy Research Institute in Washington, D.C., former USDA Chief Economist. All right, coming up next, immigration. It's a big issue on this election day, that is for sure. We are still waiting for some kind of action to really help the situation as far as ag labor is concerned, getting that getting and retaining an ag workforce in this country. It's a big, big challenge. We keep hearing that uh, Congress is going to do something, but uh, so far they've not had the action to back up the words. Let's talk about it with Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Coming up next, the latest on the immigration issue here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Christy Nome talks about the importance of this election. In my time in Congress, I focused on one thing, results. We passed a new farm bill, disaster relief, historic tax cuts that doubled the child tax credit, and more tools to fight human trafficking. Christy Nome on the future of South Dakota. My opponent and I have very different ideas about the future. He believes in bigger government. I want a government that's more nimble and efficient. 
He wants to raise taxes, even add a state income tax. I want to improve education and training so we can recruit more companies and better jobs. Christy Nome, the experienced elite. I've built a business. I farmed and ranched, served as a state legislator, and I've represented you in Congress. Now I'm asking you to let me put that experience to work for you as governor. I'm Christy Nome, asking for your vote. Thank you. Keep South Dakota moving forward. Christy Nome, tested, proven, results for South Dakota. Paid for by Christy for governor. This is the American Ag Network. Here's a market check for Adams on Agriculture. The markets are expected to be mixed today, as all eyes, not just in the United States, but around the world, are on the United States midterm elections. And so far, that's been the case this morning. On the grain markets, corn and soybeans are lower. Wheats are higher. On the livestock markets, cattle are up. Hogs are down. As we take a look at the markets this hour, December corn is down one and a half at 372 and a half. March is down one at 384 and three quarters. January beans down five and a quarter at 880 and a half. March beans are down five and a half at 893. In the wheat market, December wheat at Chicago is up two and a half at 509 and three quarters. December wheat at Kansas City is up two at 506 and three quarters. Minneapolis wheat is up two and a quarter for December, 583 and three quarters. March in Minneapolis are up one and three quarters at 590 and three quarters. Now, not much action was expected in the uh, livestock market today. In fact, the cattle market was expected to be defensive, which means it should be lower. But actually, it's higher so far this morning. December live cattle up 55 at 115.87. February live cattle up 42 at 121.10. Feeder cattle for January up 67 at 147.10. And March feeders are up 45 at 145.87. December lean hogs are down, down $1.30 at five at uh, 55.80. And February lean hogs are down 42 at 63.67. The Dow Jones up about 40, the NASDAQ up about 50, crude oil's down 7 cents. January canola is at $480.50 a ton. This is the American Ag Network. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, on this election day, of course, one of the hot button issues for the country, for voters, that's the immigration issue. It's been a 
huge issue for agriculture for some time and still is trying to get something worked out to to not only uh, attract but retain a good ag labor workforce in this uh, country. Paul Schlegel is Managing Director, Public Policy and Economics for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Paul, we've talked a lot throughout the course of this year about uh, Congress taking some action on this issue. We're still waiting. <laughs> yes, and you always criticize me for being optimistic. Um, <laughs> and, well, uh, I'm not criticizing you. I just am starting to question a little bit that optimism, but uh, I, I'm well, glad that you're optimistic. I suppose you're fair. That It's fair to question it, and, and um, I, I, I'm not so crazy as to think uh, the chances are great. Um, you know, we're... I think what everyone is is waiting to see is what happens today. Um, you know the, you know the conventional wisdom is that the, the leadership, uh, the the partisan uh, control of the House of Representatives will change, and should that occur, I there will be a lame duck session. But 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 I don't know. I, I don't think that helps in our efforts to to try to get something passed. It, you know you. You'll have any of a number of members who won't be returning, and um, you don't know how those members might vote. And uh, it probably is unlikely if the Democrats control the Congress that they would want to concede an issue. So it's, I would say it, it's not encouraging at the moment that we're going to get something done before the end of the year. The one, the one issue I would hold out is there is an amendment that's pending that Dan Newhouse of Washington State uh, has gotten adopted. It would expand the existing H-2A program to year-round jobs in agriculture, which is important to dairy and such. And so we're going to see what we can do to keep that uh, amendment uh, in the, in the, in the, one of the appropriations bills. We're going to try to work on that, but that's at the moment that's the only thing I see that might be viable. So that's the best shot. You don't see anything else happening or getting done in the lame duck? You know, uh, again, I, w- I won't say it's impossible, um, but um, if, if, say, say the Republicans keep control of the House, I don't know that anyone's – people are saying it's possible but not likely. Should that happen, would that change the dynamic? You know, it, it could, um, but, but again, we would – then we would have – we have a bill that's pending in the House, the Goodlatte bill – but in the Senate, there's nothing. So, it, you know, you look at it and you try to be realistic. You want to be optimistic. But I, I, I think it's tough. If, if we're given an opportunity, we'll give it everything we have. But I just think it's, it's, it's tough. We're talking with Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Paul, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, it is so difficult to try to even separate out the ag part of it to get that done because there's a tendency to try to, if you can't solve everything, don't do anything. And the immigration issue, especially with the the caravan headed towards the the U.S. border, uh, it's it's more complicated, more emotional, more inflamed maybe than than ever. So trying to get something done in with that uh, in that environment is going to be tough. It, you know, it, it's one of those issues that you know people say health care is difficult, and and sure it is, but but. If you look at immigration, there are so many strands that get tied up together. It's, we have a unique situation in agriculture in which we have a, a largely foreign-born workforce uh, and a domestic labor force that is just not attracted to employment in the sector. And you, you have that. That's a reality. 
then you have, okay, how do we make that work in a legal way? And then you have the fact that so many of our existing current workers are not working on correct papers and how you legalize that. And, and then you have the, the question of the DACA, that's the minor children. Then you have high tech, they have their set of issues. Then you have the H2B questions, that's the seasonal non-ag, that's hospitalities and amusement parks and others, they, they have they have issues. Then you have the processing sectors. There's just so, so many things. And you're absolutely right. It, it, it's one thing leads to another and, and trying to get everybody on the same page when people have different legitimate points of view, it's it, it's a challenge. It's a, and then you, if you overlay the politics on top of it, that makes it even tougher. Meanwhile, speaking of tougher, it's tougher and tougher on many ag operations, dairy uh, and uh, uh, specialty crops, fruits, vegetables in particular, harder and harder for them uh, to get the, the labor they need, isn't it? It, it? it is. That's true. One of the phenomenons, our, our economists just within, oh, I want to say the last month or six weeks or so, were looking at the data coming out of Department of Labor and the growth in the H-2A program, now I don't know if your listeners remember this, but, you know, 10 years ago, I, I'm, I've been with Farm Bureau for about 14 years now. When I came, it was about 40 or 50,000 workers a year in H-2A. Today, it's more than 230,000. So the growth in that program has been astronomical over the last uh, handful of years, not because it's a great program or people love it or it's not ex inexpensive, but it's their only recourse. So as you point out, it's getting tough to get workers, so they're going to H-2A more or less as a last resort, and so you're seeing that use of that program exploding. So there's all the more reason why we have to, if that's all there is, we've got to make it more grower-friendly. And there there are going to be, the, the administration announced back in the summer they were going to alter the regulations and try to improve them. We're waiting for that to be official. Nothing's been released yet, um, but that's... We're crossing our fingers. That might give us one opportunity to to make the program a little bit more efficient, maybe a little bit less costly, so that the people, the growers that need to turn to it, have something they can actually use. And not only the need for labor on a dairy operation or on a, a farm for harvesting or whatever it may be, but we're also hearing more and more now about a shortage of labor in some of our uh, uh, processing plants around the country. Oh, sure, sure. And that's, that was, as you mentioned earlier, you talked about the different issues. Well, in, in, the, in the bill Chairman Goodlatte had, he had set aside 40,000 visas for those processing jobs. Now, that's not something we at American Farm Bureau had asked him to do. Clearly, it has an impact on the sector because if you're selling your, your livestock into a market, you want to make sure they have the ability to process things. But, but that itself was a contentious provision in in the committee when the judiciary committee was working it up and and so you're right there's a there's a stress and we're now looking at an economy nationwide where unemployment's 3.7 percent we're seeing wages rise which means labor is tight and we've been experiencing that in agriculture for some time now so you look at all the trends, and it makes it very, very tough for growers to find the labor they need in a legal, affordable manner. So as you point out, there's a chance to maybe get an amendment that could help some before the end of the year, but it looks like it rolls over to next year, and based on what happens today, uh, could be some, you know, uh, a new set of players, and new people in yeah. charge. Uh, what, 
what uh, do you think were the chances then of do you have to start all over next year or can you roll some of this over to next year, use some of what you've done, or uh, how do you assess what the prospects are next year? You, you love asking tough questions, don't you? <laughs> I try, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what, what you just said was a very critical component in why the Board of American Farm Bureau supported the Goodlatte Bill. Everyone knows it wasn't a perfect bill, but had a lot of good things in it. But the reality is Chairman Goodlatte is retiring, and we don't today know who might take up the mantle. Um, and Chairman Goodlatte, he chaired the Ag Committee for six years, uh, about ten years or so ago. He practiced immigration law uh, before he came to Congress. He... Um, he had been involved in H-2A because he has livestock districts. So he didn't agree with us on everything, but he understood our issues. And we don't really have – there are some candidates that, you know, clearly they care about us, but they're not on the, the Judiciary Committee. That's the Committee of Jurisdiction. Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina, he's a good friend, and he cares about our stuff. But when you look at somebody in the House to take up that gauntlet and run with it, you know, it's – that's a very, very legitimate question to ask, but I don't have an answer for you at the moment. But what we do know is the impact, the harm that's being done to U.S. agriculture is is no real, question. and it, that and that uh, harm is going to continue and probably even uh, grow as we move forward without any action on this. Oh, it, it, it truthfully, you know, when, when here in D.C., when we have our members and growers tell us about their situations, it... it, it it breaks your heart that you, you can't give them an answer and give them a solution. And uh, especially, as you mentioned, for dairy, they don't, they're not, they don't qualify for the H-2A program. The mushroom industry in southeastern Pennsylvania, they don't qualify because there's the year-round jobs. There are other year-round livestock and other things. There's a whole host of growers who are trying to get a return on their investment, and it's a very, very tough environment, and you want to be able to work and educate people uh, about it, policymakers. Um, but in truth, you know, we, we have a very, very tough situation we're going to face, assuming things play out today as people expect they will. We're, we will be going from Bob Goodlatte, who used to chair the Ag Committee, to Mr. Nadler, who uh, who I guess would chair, and, and he's from New York City. and. Um, he's a you know perfectly fine individual, but he comes from a very very different point of view, and so you know it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of people uh, are impacted by this. Well, everyone is in a way, and a lot of people in this country don't even realize they're being impacted that because yeah. of the how it's affecting uh, our our farms and uh, and oh. ranches and uh, our processing plants around the country. So uh, yeah, it's an issue yeah. that is critically important. Paul, thank you for your time. Always appreciate the update, and uh, hopefully we'll have some good news on this eventually, but we'll stay in touch, okay? Sounds good. Take care. Thank you. Paul Schlegel, Managing Director, Public Policy and Economics for the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, the latest on uh, transportation and infrastructure issues with Mike Steenhook with the Soy Transportation Coalition. That's coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. If you want to know Christy Nome, ask the people who know her best. You know, I think uh, Christy would be a good governor for South Dakota because she loves South Dakota so much. There's no doubt when you talk to her how deeply devoted she is to the state of South Dakota. When you think about strength of character and work ethic, I don't think there's anybody that compete with Christy Nome. She knows ag from one end to the other. I think it would be great to have someone like Christy because she has the experience with farming and ranching and she understands the struggles that we go through. The first thing that she talks about is her family. The second thing she talks about is her faith. Christy and her family are just good, strong Midwestern people that love the state of South Dakota. And I think Christy, far and away, has the best skill set and the best experience, the best work ethic to be a more effective governor. Christy Nome, tested, proven, conservative for governor. I just think she'd be a great governor for the state of South Dakota. Paid for by Christy for governor. We all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, friends, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, more of what life's all about. Now is our time to make it happen. Together, we can stop men dying too young by tackling the big issues. Prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, suicide. It's time to act. Sign up at Movember.com and raise funds to help change the face of men's health. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. 
Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, we try to keep track of uh, what's happening or not happening when it comes to infrastructure and improvements and how it impacts our transportation system. Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, is with us. He keeps us up to date on these things. Mike, thanks for being with us. Any movement? Anything to report? Well, we were, you know, very pleased. This was uh, a couple weeks ago on October 23rd. The president signed into law the the Water Resources Development Act, and you know, with all of the acrimony uh, that happens in Washington D.C. and how just everyone just seems to be in an, just inflamed on so many different issues, it's easy just to neglect that or miss the fact that there actually was a pretty nice piece of legislation passed by both chambers by overwhelming majorities and signed into law by the president that has the potential to benefit agriculture. And that's, that's a nice message for us to, to be attended to, attentive to. And so, yeah, this is a, a, a piece of legislation that provides authorization for work to be done uh, related to our inland waterway system, including our locks and dams. And so, um, We've kind of gotten back onto an every two-year cycle for passing a Water Resources Development Development Act. That's what Congress is really uh, obligated uh, to do. But there was a period from 2007 to 2014 that we didn't have a Water Resources Development Act passed. So we then saw one passed in 2014, 2016, and now 2018. So there is some nice momentum happening on this issue, and we certainly need to make sure that we uh, – keep persisting in that and you know the barge industry agriculture we've really been integral to seeing this happen and so uh, with all the things that still need to be done it's also nice to see that there are some there are some bits of good news out there as we have learned on this issue over the years and learned the hard way there's a difference between authorization and appropriation (laughs) so is there appropriation as far as funding for uh, getting something done yeah, I mean the the good the I mean the bad news is the system with our locks and dams. There's a uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and then there's a, a there's an exorbitant price tag associated with that. So that's the bad news. The good news is, is that we have actually had some increased funding levels for locks and dams and in the inland waterway system more broadly over the last five to six years. You know, just to give you an example, in 2013. Congress allocated $4.72 billion to the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Civil Works Program, and that's the program that manages and improves our locks and dams in our inland waterway system. The current appropriation measure for the, for the current fiscal year for 2019 appropriated $6.99 billion. So that's a 48% increase in funding over the last you know, six years. And so that's, a, that's, that's really good news. So we actually we are seeing work actually get done. Um, so there are some 
some good things happening. You know, the concern that I have, though, is, you know, when, when you look at your crystal ball and you look at um, what our, our current uh, budget deficits are, what our national debt is, um, this level of funding, it, the concern is, will it be sustainable? And so that's a real concern that we have. And, and so as a result, we, we do need to make sure that we're providing funding for the, this important work, but that we're also constantly on the lookout for ways to stretch the taxpayer dollar to get more bang for your buck. And so I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done on that front as well. How do you see today's election results possibly impacting this moving forward? Yeah, you know, I, you really could argue both sides of, of the equation. And, and you know, number one is you would, you would hope that regardless of what happens, that you know, whether the, the Republicans maintain control of Congress or the Democrats uh, achieve majorities in the House and um, probably not in the Senate, but you'd, you'd hope that both parties would say, we need to prove to the American people that we're more than just political acrimony. We actually are a party of substance that we actually can check off the to-do list of the American people. So let's start with infrastructure. Uh, both parties, you'll hear them say that. Uh, there's a big question of saying that, having that as your aspiration, and actually then having it as an outcome. And so that's the big question. I, I do think that there will be renewed effort to do something comprehensive on infrastructure. I think the president is very open to that. Um, you know, the question is, will that be allowed to go from the on-deck circle to the batter's box? And we think it's time for infrastructure to be in the batter's box, particularly with all of the challenges confronting the soybean industry and agriculture right now. We think one of the best ways to improve um, agriculture, including soybean farmers, is to improve our infrastructure. It allows us to be better able to access customers, uh, domestic and international. And we're on the lookout for new international customers right now. Infrastructure is one of the most effective ways to facilitate that. So, um, you know, the bottom line for, you know, goal for us is to make sure that when that discussion happens uh, about doing something comprehensive on infrastructure, that we're very insistent upon we need to make sure that we're taking care of agriculture. We need to make sure we're taking care of farmers. And here are the specific measures that you, the federal government, can do to really help enhance our profitability. Well, I know I've, I've been saying this for a long time. I sure thought this would be an issue that could get bipartisan support and we'd see some action on. But even it has, uh, it's proven difficult to get bipartisan action and get it moving. Well, and, and it's, it's just a, it's a poor indication of the, the political climate that we're in. Uh, it, it should be something, like you said, could it, you could have bipartisan support, um, but it's kind of eluded, you know, eluded us up to this point. Now, we did get this Water Resources Development Act passed, so that's good news. Um, so, but, we would, but we clearly need to be very insistent upon making sure that we're doing something to help you know, agriculture, particularly during this challenging time. It's always a good day to invest in your long-term competitiveness. It's particularly a good day to do it, given some of the challenges that our industry is facing right now. Well, we'll see what happens today and then moving forward on this issue. Mike, as always, thank you. Talk to you this week. I'll see you out in Kansas City. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right. Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy 
Transportation Coalition. A lot of folks in agriculture headed to Kansas City this week for the National Association of Farm Broadcasting uh, Convention. I'll be broadcasting from there Thursday and Friday of this week. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to get a call from Hong Kong. When we think of uh, these different market promotion trips, we don't maybe think about a specific commodity, but uh, we're going to talk with Marilyn Hershey. She is chair of Dairy Management, Inc., and she is on a uh, specialty cheese mission, and uh, she's going to uh, Tokyo. In fact, I think we're going to get a call from Tokyo tomorrow, I should say. Japan, the number three importer of U.S. cheese. So we'll find out how that trip is going. So that's coming up tomorrow and a lot on the election. Don't forget to vote. Hope you'll join us tomorrow on AOA. AOA.